Cleared for takeoff, runway 08, orbital insertion approved. Let's go. Hey, what is up, everyone? This is Jay Simpson, and you're listening to the Ignited Flight Podcast, where we bring information and inspiration for everything aeronautics and astronautics. Like I said, my name is Jay. I'm an entrepreneur, an investor, a disciple maker, and I'm also a private pilot and spaceflight enthusiast. Welcome to the podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about Boom Supersonic, a startup aviation company with an incredible, bold vision. They want to bring back supersonic commercial passenger travel to the skies by the end of the decade. And that is an incredible goal. And if I can say so, it's about time. You know, it's been, I guess, over 50 years now since the Concorde first flew and almost 20 since we've seen it in active service. And, you know, I when I go back and I think about advances in aviation, I, I have to think about it from the point of the Concorde. I remember that growing up and thinking, wow, an everyday individual can buy a ticket and they can go supersonic. They can go at Mach 2 with their hair on fire and they can get that incredible experience. Um, of course, Concorde wasn't the only one, mind you. There was also the Russian-built Tupolev Tu-144, also known as the Charger. That one did not experience uh, near as much service time as the Concorde did, but even still, there were these advance- advances with passengers being able to get that supersonic travel. And of course, you know, through a lot of difficulties, a lot of complexities and technology, a very huge cost expense, and some really negative impact on the environment, uh, both these projects really came to a close and we've been waiting we've been waiting for someone to come along saying there has to be a way to incorporate today's technology to make this dream come back to life again and boom supersonic they are saying we are taking that dream we're taking that vision and we're going to make it happen and you know now is probably the best time to do it the technology has really come an incredibly long way uh since when the concourse first flew and you know I'm excited to see how they're going to incorporate all the learning and the experience that we've gained through these past projects as well as other technologies into what they are building. Now you might not have ever heard of Boom Supersonic. It's relatively new, but just because it's new doesn't mean that it can't be really impactful on the aviation industry. Boom is actually founded by Blake Scholl. Blake Scholl is the CEO, also the founder, and uh, he actually started Boom Supersonic in 2014, get this, in his basement. In the basement of his Denver home, he started a supersonic aircraft company. Isn't that crazy? You know, it just goes to show you that there could be incredible things that have very simple and humble beginnings. I think about Steve Jobs with Apple Computers, literally starting that out of a garage. And then here also, we have Blake Scholl with an aviation company built on improving technologies for supersonic flight, starting out of a basement. So it's just really incredible that, you know, it has really come such a far way just from that very simple start. The whole purpose of Boom is to make the world dramatically more accessible. And with what they are doing and the advances towards their aircraft, it's definitely going to make that happen. Uh, Blake himself has said, quote, I know we've succeeded when high-speed flight is considered normal, unquote. And I just love that. His passion and purpose is he just doesn't want to build something that does the job. He wants to make it mainline accepted so that people can actually, you know, save time so they can actually experience this type of flight. 
And again, he's using some incredible technologies to make that come to reality. So as Boom has been started now just for you know about seven years, they've had a very aggressive timeline to make this dream into a reality, to say, okay, what have we learned from supersonic travel? How can we incorporate that in a fresh design, one that might be more appropriate for the day and age that we're in, and actually implement it so it can be used uh, very easily in the world today? So looking at their timeline, it all encircles their main vehicle, right? You gotta have the airplane, the aircraft, the technology that can actually do this. And their main vehicle is called Overture. It's called Overture. And again, it has that familiar Delta wing swept back design that we've seen in other supersonic aircraft before. And they've been working very aggressively to bring this into fruition. Right now, they are targeting having the Overture built by 2022. The first overture, again, standing there in front of you by 2022. And again, after that, of course, building it doesn't mean it's ready to fly yet. There's a lot of testing and improvements and things like that that have to be done. They're anticipating a rollout of overture by about 2025, you know, about the middle of this decade. And then finally, their goal is to have passengers on board experiencing supersonic travel and literally cutting their travel times in half by about 2029. So it's an incredible, very aggressive timeline uh, that Blake has kind of set down as the goal, the vision for this company, uh, but they're making incredible strides towards that. One really key piece of the plan of Boom Supersonic is tackling the issue of the effect that this has on the environment. Um, you know, when Concorde was flying, and again at higher altitudes, and with the byproducts of the propulsion of those engines, it was really detrimental to the environment, to the ozone layer. Um, and I'm not saying it was like immensely huge, but it was very noticeable. And that has been a, an area of concern with further usage of supersonic flight travel. Again, before it was primarily used for people that could afford such a luxury. But if you're able to create this in a space where it's mainline acceptance, and has the potential to do more damage to the environment, you gotta figure out a way to overcome that problem. And, and from the start, Vim Supersonic has had that in their sight of we've got to tackle this environmental issue. And so they have come out with their plan to have a net zero carbon footprint. Now I gotta tell you from an aviation standpoint, that almost sounds like laughable or like a lie, but that is what they are actually doing, a net zero carbon footprint by using 100% sustainable aviation fuel, or SAF. And uh, they're making some incredible strides with this. They're using animal flats and all different kinds of fuel compositions to make sure that when they have their vehicle flying, not only does it provide the resources uh, as far as transportation, but also that it's environmentally friendly with as little environmental impact, especially to the ozone layer, as possible. Now, the prelude to the Overture, again, Boom Supersonic's main aircraft being built, rolled out, and used for passenger service, is kind of their test vehicle, and that's called the XB-1, X-Ray Bravo-1, uh, nicknamed uh, affectionately, the baby boom, the baby boom. So this is actually, fun fact, the first independently developed supersonic jet. Um, so that's a big venture in itself, even producing this on a small scale. And this is a smaller scale. It's about one third the size uh, of Overture. So it's a one third scale of Overture. And they have actually uh, made some great progress. I mean, it's actually built now. Um, it's a single crew design, again, just mainly built for proof of concept, and it has the ability to go to Mach 2.2, which is incredible. That is faster than the Concorde and also will be faster than the Overture. 
Um, so really some incredible strides they're taking with making sure they're doing this correctly. And again, it's a prototype, if you will, a smaller scale. It uses different engines than what will actually be used in Overture. Of course, that makes sense. But again, they have already done great strides with this to make sure that it's actually there. And we should actually be seeing this vehicle uh, move into a test flight stage very, very soon. I'm going to guess potentially by the end of the year. So that's really, really neat that they have uh, really put this effort into XB1 into Baby Boom. And when that flies, that will create shockwaves, literally, but also among the aviation world. Um, again, but that's not the real deal, of course. That's not going to be what's going to be carrying you and I on our supersonic travels in the future. Yes, are you with me? Of course, it's going to be epic. We need to get on board one of these. Um, so Overture, when that is built, uh, this has some really key features and really, I must say, some smart designs with what they are planning for this. First of all, Overture is going to be entirely an all-business-class aircraft, and I think that's essential. The market that this is going to be geared towards, especially in the beginning, like I mentioned before, is people that can afford the luxury of supersonic high-speed travel by air. And again, there is a higher price tag, of course, with that. It makes sense. So making the aircraft all-business-class is really a smart move. Um, one also interesting aspect of how they've laid out the design is that it is two abreast seating. So that means that there's the, the aisle that you walk down, there's one seat on the left and one seat on the right. Not only does that give you a little bit extra space, but it also allows the fuselage to be very streamlined, which is, of course, very key when you're traveling at these high speeds. Uh, one claim to fame that they like to remind passengers is not only are you getting there quickly, you are going to get there quickly with a view. When you're traveling at a projected cruising altitude of 60,000 feet, that means that you're going to get stratospheric views where you'll be able to see the curvature of the earth. You'll be able to see the darkness of space just beyond. And it's really going to be a, a really cool experience. Again, not comparable to spaceflight, but still just the aspect you can hop on a plane and get those kind of views and experiences. It's going to be really, really cool. Right now, the design for Overture calls for a passenger manifest of about 65 to 88 passengers. Again, I think that's really reasonable. They've really taken a lot of consideration with this. Comparative, comparatively for the Concorde, it was between a 92 to 128 passengers, again, depending on the layout and design and things of the particular aircraft that was flying. Um, and I think reducing it is probably the, the best move. Again, this is going to be a very niche market in the beginning anyways, and I think that's probably a very strategic, wise move to make sure that it still can hold a, a fair amount of passengers, but maybe not to the level of a full commercial aircraft, again, with the mindset that this won't be for everyone. Um, again, like I mentioned, it's going to have a cruising altitude of 60,000 feet. The vehicle itself is 205 feet long, so that's really uh, awesome. And again, 60,000 feet going Mach 1.7. That's about 1,300 miles per hour, give or take a few. Um, to compare that to the Concorde, Concorde was cruising at Mach 2.02. .02. So Concorde was a bit faster, but again, they're looking at this as high-speed flight done environmentally friendly and cost uh, affordability as well, You know, making sure that this is attainable for individuals. Uh, the Overture, unlike the XB1 Baby Boom, the Overture is going to be powered by uh, Rolls-Royce engines, and these are still in development. And obviously, when you're trying to use a special aviation fuel that's more environmentally friendly, when you're considering all the different effects that happen at supersonic flight, um, including, you know, just like the aircraft heating up, uh, you know, there's a lot of factors. So this... Uh, 
this Rolls-Royce engine is still in development. Uh, it is actually using a tri-jet arrangement, so it's a triple engine design, one the tail and two towards the back of the fuselage. Um, so not the four engines that we saw on the Concorde, but three still, again, makes sense for this particular size of aircraft. And it's going to have a range, a projected range of about 5,000 miles, just a little bit less than 5,000 miles. And of course, that makes those Atlantic and Pacific jumps not a problem at all. Uh, the Overture with Boom Supersonic is going to do it very easily and, and quite effectively. And I mentioned before, it basically is going to cut the travel time in about half. That's the target. So a New York to London trip, for example, would take about three and a half hours. Going from San Francisco to Tokyo, you're looking at about six hours of flight time against supersonic. And then finally, going from L.A. to Sydney, and that is a long, long flight, um, about eight hours, eight hours, eight and a half hours. So really, that's an incredible improvement. Again, if you are uh, really concerned about time and you want to get there, going on Boom Supersonic is definitely going to be the way to go. Now, of course, to reach all these goals, they have had to make some significant improvements um, from historic designs for supersonic aircraft, again, with the Tupolev and also with the Concorde. Uh, one, of course, is that with noise. And this goes back to our engine development with Rolls-Royce, figuring out how can we develop engines um, that are not near as noisy. And we have seen dramatic increases in the subsonic aviation world, which is what you and I are all traveling on right now. Um, in the past 50 years, we have dramatically reduced noise, and that's you know very important. And so obviously for those engines producing the, that kind of power, figuring out a way to make it as quiet as possible is very key, especially when you're flying out from larger cities and things of that nature. The other huge factor which we have talked about, is the environment. How is this thing going to affect specifically our ozone layer? And again, using the sustainable fuel and really trying to be um, thinking outside the box as far as net zero for carbon emissions, um, I think that they're actually going to do it. It's definitely a challenge. They're making progress. And I'm excited to see that actually come into play. Because really, when they make those advances as far as engine technology and as far as fuel, you may see those benefits that they have figured out actually trickle down into other aspects of the aviation world. Not sure, but that's definitely a possibility. And also another improvement that, of course, they've been working on is how to make this more appropriate to the market sector, to their target audience. And again, I think by making the aircraft a little bit smaller, more streamlined, catering to that business class model, I think that is going to tap in much more regularly. I used to hear a lot of stories about, you know, the Concorde was flying with much less than full capacity. And, uh, you know, I think that especially when this is going to restart this particular segment of the industry, I think the design they've come up with is very, very appropriate size-wise. And, of course, you can always build more aircraft after that or redesign a new one. But for coming out the gate, I think they've really done a, a lot of good effort and time and uh, just market research, figuring out how to approach this sector most effectively so that way it's more relatable and attainable for people that want to utilize such a service. So let's talk about the current progress of where they have been at. Um, probably the most notable is just recently, back in June, um, United Airways, back here in the United States, uh, actually ordered 15 of these Boom Supersonic Overture aircraft to add to their fleet. Now, that contract is expandable up to 35. 
Um, but that's that's incredible. That is a lot of faith in this company for a mainline carrier like United to say that not only do we see the vision, not only do we back it, but we're going to go ahead and buy into this. And they were actually the first U.S. carrier to actually sign a contract with Boom Supersonic. Um, and again, I said 15 aircraft is what they are currently on, up to 35. To put that in reference, there were only ever 20 20 Concords ever built. So just kind of factor that in your mind when you think about 15 might not sound like a lot, but comparing it to where we've been at historically, that's a good chunk um, coming out the gate. Also, Japan Airways, they were actually involved uh, a couple of years ago, very early on in this vision and journey that Boom Supersonic has been on. And they have a contract right now up to 20 aircraft uh, that they have the ability to acquire uh, to incorporate into their service, into their passenger carrier operations. So that's really, really neat as well. Probably the thing that I found most interesting is that uh, the U.S. Air Force has taken uh, a keen interest in the overture, particularly when it comes to, get this, presidential transport. You know, for the United States of America, we like to lead the charge and say, you know, look at us. There's no better way to do that than to say that your president is flying on a supersonic aircraft. Uh, quite honestly, I'm not sure why they haven't thought about this before. But uh, they have been very closely working with the individuals at Boom Supersonic looking at a potential way to take the overture and transform that into uh, like an Air Force One type aircraft. Uh, so that would be incredible just to see that come to fruition. Uh, in actuality, I think that's uh, probably more on the dream side of things, but hey, there are actual conversations happening. So I can't pass over those things, but that would be really cool to see a supersonic Air Force One aircraft. As far as current progress goes, I mentioned this a little bit, the XB-1, the baby boom, that is the prototype, the proof of concept for what boom is doing. Um, that has been unveiled back in 2016. The rollout was in 2020, and they have put a lot of time testing this vehicle. Obviously, you want this thing to be a success, and you want to also learn from it, because again, this is a one-third scale of the real thing. So they have really spent a lot of time working specifically on wind tunnel testing. And this is important. Um, I remember hearing about how when people flew on the Concorde, you know, just the fact that that aircraft was moving so quickly through air, even at high altitudes, obviously that produces friction and produces heat on the skin of the aircraft. And they actually said when you flew on Concorde that you could put your hand like on the wall of the cabin area and you could feel the heat. You could feel the heat just resonating off of this aircraft. So Boom has taken a lot of time working on the XB-1, working on wind tunnel testing, taking all those things into consideration, and just making sure that they get this thing as best as possible before its first test flight. And that's the real question, right? When will the XB-1, which is the predecessor to the Overture, when, when will that first take flight? Estimations right now are going to say by the end of this year, by the end of 2021, the baby boon should go ahead and be in the skies. And again, they'll be able to learn from that. And that, again, pairs in nicely with their aggressive timeline, because remember, in 2022, they're hoping to have the first overture built. So just really exciting times for Boom, for Boom Supersonic and all their staff, their engineers, all the people involved. Um, I wish them the best. I think this is incredible. And uh, I'm excited. I want to see supersonic passenger transport back available in my lifetime. Um, you know, I, I realized there were a lot of challenges before, but but boom, again, with the, the help of their CEO and founder, Blake Scholl, I think that they have really 
capture the essence of what this needs to look like in order to be successful. So I'm really excited to see how that actually turns out for them. And I'll be watching closely, as I know you will be as well, just to see the baby boom take off and see how that leads into the finalized overture design. And I, I literally can't wait. It's going to be incredible. Uh, I should put that on my list too, okay? I would like to go uh, past the speed of sound uh, before I die. But hey, as I mentioned before, I plan on being in orbit before I die so I can kill two birds with one stone uh, and get my supersonic travel there as well. But what about you? Are you ready to experience, you know, a sonic boom on Overture to get that supersonic uh, transportation, have that available? Is that something that you would do? I, I would definitely love to know your thoughts on this and, uh, you know, if you would actually take a ride, if you would travel on this vehicle. Uh, definitely reach out to me. You can reach out to me on Instagram. My handle there is at jsimnow. That's at J-A-Y-S-I-M-N-O-W. I say this always, I love hearing from our listeners. We have an incredible group of listeners of this podcast, so thank you for tuning in, but really, you guys are incredible. Feel free to reach out to me with any feedback, with questions you might have, or maybe even future value of what you would like to gain from this podcast. And as always, I hope that you leave this episode feeling inspired. Thanks for joining me on the Ignited Flight Podcast, and have a stellar day.